Hi, my name is Craig, and I will be sharing with you on a journey with God. That's the title of the program here now. On a journey with God, because that's what we are. Every day we're on a journey. We're open up into different seasons. We're open up into different life. We're open up into different adventures. Maybe that's the word. But God tells us every time we get together, he has a message to tell us what it is that we need to do and what we need to be aware of living the Christian life on a daily basis. And today is no different because if you've been listening over the last few uh, months or so, last five, six weeks, whatever it might be now, you're going to recall that these last messages have revolved around lies, liars and lying. A theme that the Lord has continued to impress on me to reveal to us. Our society has become a bed of liars. Lying to us each and every day about practically everything. We don't know what is truth anymore. We do know the word of God is true. And that's our foundation of what this program is all about. See, the lies are the weapon of choice by Satan when he attacks us. In John 8.44, he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Today, the title of the message is The Strategy of Satan. And we know lying is one of his main strategies. If you remember, his first victory was over Eve in the Garden of Eden, way back in the beginning of the time. And I'm sure you remember the story of the serpent slithering up alongside Eve and questioning God's word to her. He says, indeed, has God said, and then he pretended to continue on from there. He simply questioned whether God had really said what Eve thought he had said. He had put a question of doubt in her mind. And that happens to be one of his first target of attacks is our mind. Now, why your mind, would you say? Well, because your mind, it, it's part of the image of God where he communicates with us and he reveals his will to you. And if Satan can get you to believe a lie, even a small little lie, then he can begin to work in your life to lead you into sin. That's his goal. And this is why he attacks your mind and why we must protect our minds from these lies of the enemy. Paul writes, if it is not true, do not let it enter your mind. Well, that kind of sounds simple, but uh, Satan is a trickery, right? Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now, after Eve had this initial doubt planted in her mind, Satan then made a subtle change to God's instructions. And he said, you surely shall not die. Now, he's not totally denying God's word. He is just teasing Eve. You see, Adam and Eve didn't know anything about death at this stage in their lives. All they had to go on was the word of God, which for us is... Mm, Let's say armchair theologians, we can see how easy it should have been for them because that is all they needed, the word of God, which if you stop and meditate on that statement, that's all we should need too, the word of God. 
Now, the last step that Satan took after hooking Eve was to substitute his own lie into her mind. What did he tell her? You will be like God if you eat from this tree. Now, stop and think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God. But Satan tempted them with an even greater privilege to be like God, he said. You see, Satan, he just added, changed the wording or exchanging a word for like. It makes us all feel so good when we are alike, doesn't it? Yeah. And to be like someone that we admire or follow, wow, we think that that would be such a privilege. Now, you may be listening to this message and you may recall an advertisement for a product with Michael Jordan years ago, one of the all-time greatest pro basketball players there ever were. And the pitch said, do you remember? Be like Mike. Well, society, Satan, tends to tell us that we are not good enough and convinces us to we need to be more like. Now you fill in the blank. Who are you supposed to be more like? You fill it in. Now, Satan was created being just like, like you and I, but he wanted to be worshipped and he wanted to be served like the creator himself. It was this selfish attitude that led him to revolt against God and ultimately, poof, get thrown out of the heavens. Kicked out, I think is what it says, actually. Now, now, now listen, listen closely here to what Satan says. You will be like God. This is one gigantic lie that motivates and controls much of our civilization ever since the fall of man. And there are many who are still trying to be like God today. And they will all fail, and they will all be destined for hell to be with Satan himself. Now, how did Eve respond to Satan's approach? Well, she made a couple of key mistakes that led to her finally giving in and Sin. That, that's the bottom line here. She gave in and she sinned. But what happened is Eve took words away from God's message. She took out the word freely. What did God say in Genesis 2.16? You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And what did Satan say after that to Eve? God is holding out on you. Why is he holding out this one tree when he says you can eat of all the trees? You're free to eat of any tree in the garden. Why is he saying this tree in the middle that he's holding out? Why is he saying no to that? And then when you start to question or you forget the grace of God and the goodness of him, you will find it much easier to disobey the will of God, especially when you decide to try and change the words to his teachings. That is what Eve did. She took out some words from God's message, but then turned around and added a few more words to his teachings, right? Thereby changing the whole meaning of a scripture. Uh-oh. 1 John 5, 3 says, To keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Now, part of Satan's tactics are to try and convince you that God's commandments are burdensome, and that he, Satan, has something much, much better to offer you. And once you have treated God's word in this fashion, taking words away and maybe adding your own word here or there and finally changing his words and in his message, you open yourself to receive the enemy's final tricks. 
What he did to Eve was simply redirect her attention to consider the tree in the middle of the garden apart from God's word. Satan says, get a good look at it. See, 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 see it, see it as it is, as it really is. It was good for food and nourishment, a delight to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. That came out from Genesis uh, 3, 6. Eve was now in a dilemma. What should she do? Listen to God's version and be left with nothing? Or listen to Satan and follow his thinking uh, to a degree, you know, not completely at this point. Well, you know what she did? She rejected God's word. She chose to believe Satan's version and whammo! Sin came into the world. And you and I have been suffering from her choice as has the whole world since that fateful day, the beginning of time. Now listen, listen. God accomplishes his will in us through truth. Satan accomplishes his purpose in us through lies. And when we believe God's truth, then the Holy Spirit can work in power, for the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, John 16, 13. But when a person believes a lie, then Satan goes to work in their life and tries to steal them away from God's team. Faith in God's truth leads us to victory, yes. Faith in Satan's lies leads us to utter defeat. Which team have you joined today? Think about it now. Be honest. Which team have you joined? The trick of the enemy is to disguise his lies. He is a master at masquerading his lies as God's truth. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14 says, For such men are false, are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is the master deceiver, and he wants to try and destroy us. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be a sober spirit. Be on the alert. You adversary, the devil prowls around like a royal lion, seeking someone to devour. If Satan's mind tricks are not completely successful in getting you to follow him, he then turns his attention to attack our bodies. If you remember the story of Job, then you'll understand what I mean by that last statement. Job lost his children, his flocks and herds and all of his wealth, and he also lost the health of his body when he contracted diseases. He lost his friends when they just sat there and watched him being attacked, losing everything. Even his wife was so overwhelmed by what God was allowing to happen. She yelled at him, curse your God and die, Job 2.9. Satan sure did a thorough job attacking Job's body and all that related to him. All this was happening to Job because God had given permission to Satan in a test. Satan was allowed to attack Job in any way he wanted, but he was not allowed to kill him. God knew that Satan could not sway him away from relationship because Job was committed to God for the long haul, no matter what. And you, when you read the Gospels, you find that Satan attacked various other people. He caused a man to be dumb, Matthew 9:32, A woman to be disabled, Luke 13, 11 through 17, and even a child. 
Matthew 17, 14 through 18. And what, why, why does Satan want to attack our bodies anyway? Well, one reason is our body is God's temple. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and they are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, go glorify God in your body. God is invisible. The world cannot see him. But Christians can be seen, and it is our conduct in the body that glorifies and exalts the Lord that others can see through us. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. God wants to use our body as a vehicle for revealing himself to a lost world. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now there is more than one kind of suffering we can encounter, sure. Natural sufferings, when our earthly bodies begin to break down, and when we age, unfortunately, and we can't do anything about that. It has nothing to do with Satan and the spiritual world or anything like that. It's a natural progression of your body. But another suffering that affects us is when we sin. God Almighty loves us too much to permit us to be rebels. So he may chasten us that we might conform to his will. And sometimes God permits a season of suffering in our lives simply to build us up and help us mature. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are approved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And when you find yourself in difficult circumstances, seek to discern through the word and prayer whether your suffering is from a natural event taking place in your body, or is it from God? Or is it from Satan? Might God be pruning things in your life and perfecting you instead? Is he disciplining you? Is Satan seeking to hinder you in your ministry or even trying to destroy you? What is it? You might not be able to control the origin of your suffering, but you can control the outcome. How, Craig? Great question. We must learn patience. One of Satan's ploys is to try and get us to become impatient and to give up on God. Oh my gosh, this is taking forever. When is God going to answer this? Oh, forget it. It's just taking too long. Right? See, that's the, that's the kind of things that Satan starts to plant in us and we start believing. But patience is very important for the Christian virtue. Unless we learn to have patience, we can never learn the truths that God wants us to learn. Truths that will lead us into a deeper, deeper relationship with him. That's what he wants. Relationship. Now, children, they're naturally impatient because of their age and not having time to grow in God's ways. We've all seen that. But in that case, we can say that impatience is a mark of immaturity on our own part as adults. Interesting statement, I would say, right? But we can also say that impatience is a mark of unbelief. Ooh, ouch. We hate to be told that 
maybe we're not believing enough. Unbelief. Isaiah 28:16. He who believes will not be in a hurry. Wow, think about that one. He who believes will not be in a hurry. That's all about learning to have patience. Impatience always leads to costly mistakes, though, right? Sure it does. I found that out personally. Abraham became impatient and married Hagar. King Saul was impatient. He wouldn't wait for the prophet Samuel to come. And Peter, well, he became impatient. The garden could send me, and he tried to kill a man. Satan knows that if he can make us impatient, he can lead us to do something stupid and get ourselves and others into trouble at the same time. And if you find yourself impatient, you can be sure that Satan and the flesh are at work and that you are in danger of making a wrong decision. When circumstances of life are irritating, it's time to beware. And when life is becoming uncomfortable, you can be sure that Satan is lurking nearby, waiting, just waiting for that opportunity to attack. And whenever you find yourself restless and anxious to, quote, do something, got to do something, you can be sure you're not trusting God to work it out. We need to learn to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit, inherit the promises. That's Hebrews 6.12. We need to learn to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Again, Hebrews 6.12 patient to inherit his promises. You see, faith and patience, they go together. And we must learn to wait patiently for God to accomplish what he has promised in our life. But Satan's objective is to get you, get you by deceiving your mind or attacking your body, as we've already heard about today. However, now listen, his ultimate goal of all these attacks and his ultimate target is to get your will, your soul. The Christian life is basically a matter of the will. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, emotions, all our mind, the intellect, and all our strength, the will. Your will is important because it helps to determine your character. Decisions mold your character. Decisions map the direction of your life. You may want to blame circumstances or feelings or even other people, but this is only an excuse. My favorite phrase, it's called scapegoating. We all do it, and society are, has become an expert at scapegoating and pointing the finger the other way. But it is your will most directs your life. The believer who lives on spiritual willpower has a consistent Christian life and a steady ministry that will not be threatened by ongoing changing circumstances around you, other people, or your feelings of the day. Another favorite phrase, I don't feel like it. We've heard that all the time. And people just stand on that. Oh, I just don't feel like it. See, you were saved when you said, I will, to God's graciousness. And you grow and you serve God by saying, I will, 
Satan's original sin was the sin of the will of Eve. And he wants our will too. He wants to capture our will. He wants our will to worship. He wants our will to serve him and submit to his will. Just as she ended up caving in and doing. But you ask, how does he get our will to submit to his will? Think of it this way. It's one of the dangers of success. Those to whom much is given fight intense spiritual battles against this kind of sin. It glorifies man and robs God of the glory that only he deserves. This is a weapon, the sin. This is a weapon that Satan wields with great skill to get us to sin. And it's considered the oldest kind of sin of mankind. Have any idea what that is? Yeah, of course you do. It's pride. That's what it is. It's pride. There are too many examples of this kind of sin to examine in one setting. We could go on and on, part two and part three, part four, part five of this message. We can continue on many more on this one topic, actually, probably for the rest of the year. It is so involved. It is so bad. To some degree, pride is part of all the temptation Satan throws at us. Think about that. Pride in one way or another is part of all the different temptations that Satan throws at us. Huh. I'm just uh, processing that statement myself right now as we're, uh, we're visiting and recording this message. Take some time, though. Re review the temptations that's shared in all the scriptures, and you'll find that this pride is what they call a time warp sin. Satan had the gall to even tempt Jesus. What? He was trying to appeal to the human pride. What? With Jesus? Matthew 4, 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me today. Well, we know what happened here. Jesus denied Satan's offer. Satan's desire is to work in the church, to try and hinder its ministry. To do this, he must work in and through Christians, or those who profess to be Christians, who are part of this all-big fellowship. Pride is one, if not the main weapon, that Satan uses through his temptations, his lies. Trying to get your mind, trying to attack your body. All has to do with pride. And if he can get a pastor to be proud of his preaching on a Sunday, or a school teacher proud of their class's growth, or a church officer proud of his experience and his leadership in the church, then Satan will have a foothold from which all to launch all of his attacks. Now, if you remember the story of David, King David brought much death and sorrow to Israel simply because he was too proud. Pride is such a strong weapon, and Satan is such a strong adversary, only stronger power can give us victory. And this power comes from the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. Now, as we begin to close the message today, we have heard that Satan wants to attack your body with suffering 
in turn to make you impatient with God's will. He wants to attack your mind with lies and make you ignorant of God's will. And he wants to attack your will with pride to make you feel independent of God's will. Now, when you yield to these three areas of your life, to the Spirit of God daily, then the Spirit will empower you to de defeat the devil every time. Always remember this. In the battle against Satan, the only way to conquer him is to surrender. Ah, surrender to God. That's the only way to conquer him. Surrender to God. James 4, 5 and 6 says, Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Every time, and I added that, he will flee from you every time. Submit therefore to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Lord, this message is overwhelming in its own way. All of these attacks of Satan that we just touched on the surface, but the idea here was to touch on the main theme of what Satan does. He wants to attack us in the mind, attack us in the body. His goal is to get our will away from God's will. We have to stand strong on the truth every day with God's word, God's message, God's teachings. And when we resist the devil, God is there to make him flee from us every time. Lord, bless those listening to this message. Bless them to be strong, protect their minds, protect their bodies, and Lord, protect their will to maintain confidence and belief in all that you say. Blessings until we meet next time, my friend. And may God be your ultimate surrender. Amen.